Following Jeremy Hunt's spring budget, Katie Singer and Jenny Stone will be discussing the headlines from this. They're going to be covering the changes to pensions, childcare, and also changes to the tax thresholds from 6 April 2023. If you've opted out of the NHS pension scheme due to lifetime allowance or annual allowance, this podcast is worth a listen as you may want to reconsider your decision as a result of the announcements today. Accountancy on Prescription by RBP, one of the leading firms of medical specialist accountants. We know what you find tough, but don't you worry, as we know our stuff. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Accountancy on Prescription. I'm Katie Singer, one of the partners here at RBP, and today I'm joined by my fellow partner, Jenny Stone. Hi, Jen. Hi, Katie. How are you? I'm good. Obviously, as Jenny knows and I know, this episode is going to be about the latest budget, which we have just heard. As accountants, this is one of the few highlights of our year. Hey, Jen? Yeah, definitely. And especially this one. (laughs) Not quite as exciting as the crazy one last year. Was it last year? It was last year, last, yep, September, October when, yep. When they abolished a load of tax rates and that didn't last very long. I think that one only lasted a week. At time of recording, the budget is still as it stands, but we'll see. Who knows? By the time this airs, things may have changed. We're not sure, but that we've always got to say that this is all factual as at time of recording. So yeah, as I said, we're going to talk today about the latest budget. I mean, it's a classic accountant here. I was in a meeting whilst the budget was going on and I came out of the meeting, Jen, and I had, I think it was over 80 WhatsApp messages just from two groups. (laughs) My partner chat, so that's Jenny and me and the other partners at RBP, my partner chat going crazy about the changes in the pension, which of course Jen's going to start the chat off about in a minute. And then my other group, which is a a group of all my girlfriends, I'm, I don't want to give too much away about my age, we'll say mid thirties. So I've got relatively young children. So all of the stuff that came out about childcare and childcare hours was really making my girl WhatsApp group ping off like no business. So yeah, I thought we'd get stuck in though on the most, probably the most prominent, the most important element of the changes, which is the stuff surrounding the pension. Yeah, absolutely, Katie. I mean, I watched it live and the announcement he made right at the end, I think my jaw did actually hit the floor. So with the lifetime limit, just to kind of go through what the changes were, the lifetime limit, which is the total amount you can save in your pension over your lifetime, was obviously capped at sort of just over 1 million. Now, there was lots of talk before the budget that it was going to go up, but actually he went one step further and abolished that lifetime limit altogether. And I have to say, that was when, Katie, I started texting you all because it was just such a Shocker. It was nobody was expecting it. That obviously has lots of consequences for our clients that they need to think about. So, you know, off the top of my head, I've got quite a few clients that have put in to do their retirement at the 31st of March 23. Now, if you're going to take your pension at the 31st of March 23, your pension pot is going to be tested against the lifetime limit, which is the 1073000 So obviously, I'd be saying you need to think about maybe contacting PCSE, NHS pensions, and actually seeing if you can delay it for a week, because then it's going to be 
tested against no lifetime limit whatsoever. And that could obviously save a significant amount of tax. So I think if any of you are listening and you've put in your AW8, yes, it won't get processed immediately, but they will backdate it if you have put your retirement date as the 31st of March. So I would be contacting NHS pensions to look at that straight away. And Jen, although that's so relevant for people who are retiring, what about people who have like come out the pension, could they consider maybe going back in now? Yeah. So that was the next thing I was going to say, Katie. I have had lots of clients that have come out of the pension scheme because they've hit the lifetime limit and then they've chosen to do something else with that money. So again, as the limit is being abolished, those that have opted out may also want to reconsider rejoining and carrying on to build up their pension. Obviously, Katie, we don't know how long the lifetime limit will, you know, we never used to have a lifetime limit. Then it was 1.8, then it was 1.5, 1.25. It's been abolished now, but obviously rules change. So certainly those that have come out because they'd hit the lifetime limit, certainly worth thinking about whether to go back in. And unfortunately, Katie, anybody that's in receipt of their pension and took their pension in the last year and had a lifetime tax charge, it's tough. There's nothing they can do about that. They were the rules at that time. I've had a couple of people ask me, is there any kind of compensation is there anything I can do to attest it but there isn't is there There it's just one of those things one of those things tax rules change all the time so unfortunately the current tax rule is that the lifetime limit is 1,073,000 so that's what they've been tested against when they took Mm. their pension I know a few people are quite disgruntled and saying it's completely unfair but I guess it's no different to changes in tax rates sometimes you win and unfortunately sometimes you lose absolutely katie absolutely okay so we've talked about the lifetime allowance but there's also been quite a major change jen to the annual allowance too yeah absolutely katie so this is really really good news i think for our clients mm. so the annual allowance and there's a couple of things that i just really will talk about so obviously what was announced in the budget is the annual allowance is going to go up from 40000 to 60000 that is obviously from april 23 and just to recap we did do i think it's episode 5 where we've explained annual allowance and lifetime limits but annual allowance for members of the nhs pension scheme is not what you physically pay, you have to calculate a deemed growth. So again, that is going to go up from the 6th of April 23. Now, the tapered annual allowance, so if your taxable income is over 200,000, you then have to work out what your adjusted income is, and then you potentially could be subject to the taper. Now, the 40,000 used to get tapered down to 4,000. Now, what we're looking at is that 60,000 annual allowance could be tapered down to 10,000. So they have increased that 4,000 up to 10,000. So real high earners that are subject to the taper, it may be that you can still put a bit more into the pension. And have they mentioned anything about the carry forward as well, Jen? So the carry forward is still any unused pension relief, then you can obviously carry it forward for three years. So it may well be now that we've got an annual allowance of 60,000, people may have growth of 40,000 and they've got 20,000 that they can carry forward. So again, with a lifetime limit abolished, people may start to look at saying, well, should I put a bit more into a private pension? So obviously, you know, before we had the introduction of the limit, some clients chose to do the NHS pension and a private pension. So you may start to see clients having to think about that. 
Katie, just one other thing I want to just touch on about the annual allowance. You'll remember, so one of the things that has also changed, but this change is actually going to be applicable for 22-23, is sorting out the inflation disconnect problem that mm. was kind of part of the calculation of the annual allowance. So you remember this time last year, we were looking at estimates for our clients of growth figures of six-figure numbers because there was a rise in inflation, which meant their growth figures were huge because the calculation was actually including the growth from inflation. That has all now been fixed. So you hear a lot and read a lot about the inflation disconnect. So that has been fixed as well. And that will be applicable for 22-23. So the good news for our clients is with the annual allowance going up to 60,000, the inflation disconnect problem being sorted, that I think we will see a lot less clients having an annual allowance tax charge. Katie, just to say, I ran a few numbers just to see what this would look like for 23, 24. And if you just give me a minute, you know how much I like numbers. I know. Um, let me go through them. So what I've done is I've done an example of a GP who's, say, 52, has got pension benefits of about 45,000. And then I've said if they've got pensionable pay of 150,000, then their deemed growth for 23, 24 would be about 56,000. So they would have no tax charge. However, if their earnings were 185,000, their deemed growth would be about 67,000. So they would still have a tax charge, but it would be significantly less than mm. what it would have been if we had an annual allowance of 40. And then I did an example with a GP age 36. So having about 16,000 of pension benefits. And again, if their pensionable pay was 185,000 or 150, they would have no annual allowance tax charge. So all I'm saying is, is yes, the annual allowance has gone up, but for older GPs who've got bigger pension pots with reasonable size pensionable pay, you may still have a tax charge, but it will be significantly less than what it would have been otherwise. Yeah, it's still really useful if it goes down because it's some yeah. of these tax charges we're seeing. I mean, of course, most people do elect for the scheme to pay it, but those who, I don't know, maybe miss the deadline or feel that it would be better for them financially to pay it themselves, these can be really high charges. And actually, thank you for those examples. And we'll make sure that there's a link to them in the show notes so you can look and follow along while you're listening. Yeah, absolutely. Katie, let's move away from pensions. So, you know, my son, Ben, he's he's eight. So I didn't really pay that much attention to the childcare announcements because mm. it didn't really affect me personally, but I know it probably affects you. So do you want to go through what the changes were that he announced? Yeah, definitely. I'm in the thick of it because I've got a four-year-old, although he's at school, so he's irrelevant. But my 18, well, nearly 18-month-old, he is going to be affected. So for those of you who are listening and have children who are relatively young or have been through the system of, obviously, this is maybe slightly more relevant to women listening who are on maternity leave and go back to work, quite early. Many go back to work at six to nine months. You'll know that there's just absolutely no assistance or government support. At the moment, everyone in the UK is able to claim for either 15 or 30 hours of childcare when your child turns three up until they start primary school. And that is means tested. What that means is if one member of the household is earning over 100,000. Unfortunately, you can't be eligible for the 30 hours. You can only have the 15. So everybody gets 15 hours regardless of income. It's a little bit controversial because let's say there's two of you together, say a husband and wife, husband earning 99,000, wife earning 99,000. 
you qualify for 30 hours. If you have husband earning 105,000 and wife earning 20,000, far, far, far lower combined, you don't qualify because yeah. one person is over the hundred. So it's a bit of an unfair system. And we do know often people are asking us, oh, I want to make sure I'm down below the hundred thousand because I want to keep my childcare hours. And at the difference of 15 hours, it does make sense. So let's assume here we're talking about individuals who are unfortunately generally over the hundred thousand because a lot of you listening will be GPs and you're earning over that threshold. So you're mainly not going to be eligible for 30 hours, but eligible for 15 I say free childcare hours, but it's actually 15 hours spread over 39 weeks. So many children will go to nurseries that are term time only that run the same time as schools. If your nursery is full time, like my son's nursery, it's it's every week except Christmas week. So I have to split those hours instead of them being over 51 weeks, I have to split them over 39. So it's slightly lower. And effectively, it's not really free hours. It's just some money that the government give to the nursery and the nursery are going to charge you. So that's the history on how it is now. But what they're bringing in from next April, so April 2024, they're going to be bringing in 15 hours for over twos. So it's currently over three. It'll be over two. Then from September 2024, they'll be bringing in 15 hours from nine months, which is really interesting. And I'm actually really glad they brought it in from nine months, because for those of you who have ever received maternity leave or maternity allowance, you'll know it runs until your baby is nine months old. So it makes sense, therefore, that the childcare hours would kick in from that point, which is great. And then with effect from September 2025, those of you who are eligible, which unfortunately won't be as many listening, but those of you who are eligible for the 30 hours that's when they'll kick in. So anyone pregnant now or thinking of having a baby in the next few years, it could have a significant impact on your nursery fees going forward, which of course is more advantageous for women and fathers, I guess, returning to work. You know, I don't know about you, Jenny, but I know quite a few of my younger female partners, they say to me, they struggle to come back to work, especially working, you know, sort of more than six sessions because the childcare element is so expensive. Yes, I've heard that before from friends that say actually returning to work, they're not going to be left with very much by the time they've paid the nursery fee. So that's really good news for families. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Katie. That was really useful. I know that this probably wasn't mentioned in the budget, but I know I was a, a client recently and I was talking to them about the changes in the tax thresholds. And I said, well, you're going to be paying you know, 45% tax a lot earlier and he hadn't even realised. So I think it's probably quite a good time to just maybe have a recap on some of the threshold bans that are going to be changing from next April. Yeah. So effectively from the beginning of April, individuals are still going to be paying tax at 20%, 40% and 45%. But whereas we've seen for years and years and years, the top rate of tax band being 150,000, i.e. when your adjusted income was over 150,000, you paid that top band at 45%. Now that number has been brought down. So instead of it being 150,000, anyone earning over 125,140 doesn't quite roll off the tongue as easily as 150,000 does. (laughs) So basically, if you're earning over 125,000, you're going to be paying tax from that point onwards at 45%. So the government are just going to be able to recover an extra 5% on £25,000 for those individuals who have been earning over 125,000. The personal allowance isn't changing and the other income tax rates aren't changing. It's just the fact that they're bringing down the 40% bracket. 
And I think people just need to be aware of that. I mean, we always talk about the loss of personal allowance once your taxable income is over 100,000. So yeah, it just means more tax for people next year. And actually following on from, I'm jumping back, but we talked about potentially going back into the pension. One of the benefits of being in the pension scheme is when you make pension contributions, you get to reduce your taxable income by those contributions. And I think one thing that partners are always shocked by or individuals are always shocked by is when they come out the pension scheme, especially if they choose to stop contributing, but they're not actually in receipt of their pension. They know that they're all of a sudden not having to make large pension deductions, so they've got that extra cash available to them, but they don't quite realise the implication on their tax bill. It can shoot tax bills really, really high because sometimes we have individuals who, by making pension contributions, that drops them under 100,000, take those pension contributions out and you're now over 125, so you've gone from paying tax at 40% and having your whole personal allowance to paying tax at 45% and losing your total annual allowance. I know. And I always say that, Katie, when clients opt out is actually, I always say, you know, what you were paying, if you were paying 30,000 in, you're only going to get 15,000 extra in your pocket because you're likely to then be falling into certainly the 45% tax bracket from April. Mm. And again, that's another reason I think not only with the lifetime annual allowance changes, but it's another reason to think about whether you want to go back in because the 45% tax band has dropped. Yeah. And so we've had a look at the income tax side of things, but there is actually a change going forward for corporation tax as well, isn't there, Gem? There is. That's right. It's just all the tax rates are going up, aren't they, Katie? So corporation tax, I'm old enough to remember the old days when the top rate of corporation tax was 30%. But obviously companies have been, so any of our clients that run separate limited companies, you've benefited from a lower corporation tax rate of 19%. So what's happening is from April 23, the main rate of corporation tax is going to be 25%. But we're now going to have sort of a banding system. So the first 50,000 of profits will still be at 19%. So if you've got a separate company and you put some extra private work in there and your profits are only 30,000, you're still going to pay 19% corporation tax. Profits, now the way I explain this, because I think this is an easier way for clients to understand, is I then say profits from 50,000 to 250,000 will pay a marginal rate of corporation tax. Now, the rate that gets worked out is about 26.5%. So if you earn 70,000 of profits, 50,000 will be at 19% and then 20,000 will be at 26.5%. There is a complicated marginal rate relief calculator that you do, but it's just easier to understand to go first 50,000 at 19%, 50 to 250 is 26.5%, and then profits over 250,000 will be at 25%. So corporation tax rates are going up. Again, you know, lots of clients set up companies because they want to reduce the tax that they're paying. It may be with rates going up that, again, clients may want to consider whether using a limited company is still saving them tax. We know that the government don't like the fact that people can set up companies and try and save, pay less as if they were self-employed. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, Jen. Like We do have a lot of people who say, I want to set up companies because I know I'm going to pay a lot less tax. And I think there's definitely a misconception. And, and I know that we haven't even used the word dividends yet, but we will mention those briefly. Yes, you will save national insurance contributions, potentially making those if every penny you're taking out your company is a dividend. 
but you probably actually will not be saving any tax. No, I know. We always say if you need to take the money out of the company, all of it out, you're not going to save anything. And especially if you're starting to fall into sort of the marginal rate bands. Mm. Katie, you mentioned dividends. So dividends is changing as well, isn't it, from April? Do you Mm -hmm. want to talk through what the change is? Yeah. So at the moment, individuals can draw up to £2,000 a year tax-free. With effect from the beginning of April, that goes down to only £1,000. So the first £1,000 is tax-free. And actually, while we're here, next April, April 2024, that figure goes down to only £500. So again, those taxable benefits, those savings, those free bits are just going down and down and down. So yeah, with effect from April, you can only draw 1,000. So if you haven't taken your £2,000 tax-free dividend for the year 22-23, do draw it now because as soon as you hit the 6th of April, it's going to go down. Yeah. One thing to know is the dividend rates. So at the moment, if you're a basic rate taxpayer, once you've taken your first 2000, which going forward will be 1000, you'll pay dividend tax at 8.75%. So the tax on those dividends over the amount. Then if you're a higher rate taxpayer, you pay dividend tax at 33.75%. And if you're an extra taxpayer, i.e. if you're hitting the 45%, which remember is now anyone over 125 grand, you're going to be paying dividend tax at 39.35. So as Jen said, if you're falling into that marginal rate of tax and you're effectively paying 25, 26% corporation tax, by the time you whack on the dividend tax, you're going to be paying an effective rate of tax of just under 60% tax if you're a 40% taxpayer or 64% if you're an extra rate taxpayer. That's far higher than the 40, 45% that you would be paying. So yes, as I mentioned, you don't pay national insurance. And so there is a saving there, but actual tax itself is much higher. So please, please, please do be sure of what you're doing when you set up a company and how much you need to live off. If it's extra and you're keeping the money in the company for a rainy day or for whatever, that's one thing. If you need your limited company as your day-to-day living and you need that money to you know, pay your mortgage and to eat and drink, et cetera, it might be that a limited company is not the most financially viable option for you. No, absolutely, Katie. And I have so many clients that have come to me, they set their company up without taking proper advice and then find themselves paying more tax and get mm. themselves into a bit of a mess. Mm. Katie, just one sort of final change, another change, another increase in tax. Do you want to just talk about the capital gains tax? Because I haven't really changed capital gains tax much until now, really. No. So we've covered everything really so far about income tax. So when you earn money and you pay income tax rates on it, but when you have an asset and you sell it, i.e. a property or something of high value, you pay capital gains tax. So tax on sale of an asset. So historically, well, up until the end of this financial year, everyone in the country was given a £12,300 allowance, if you like, that that first amount of the gain would have been tax-free. So if you made a gain on the sale of something, by the way, this isn't on your home, So in case you're concerned that your home might be considered this, in the UK, if you have one property, i.e. the property you live in full time, it comes under primary property relief. So when you sell it, if you make, I don't know, 100,000, 200, 300,000 pounds on your home when you sell it, you don't pay capital gains tax. But this is if you had a second property, an investment property, other high value assets, et cetera, your surgery, for example, if you were to sell it. 
the first 12,300 of the game will be taxed at nothing. That figure is going down from April to only 6,000. So it's basically being slashed in half. And then the year after that, so from April 2024, it's being slashed even further to only 3,000. So it's, again, just another way of you paying slightly more tax. There have always been some very high tax breaks on the sale of assets, but it seems now like they're being withdrawn slightly. Yeah. And also just a reminder that people that have got second properties or buy-to-let properties, if you are selling any of these, you have to make a separate declaration and pay the capital gains tax within 60 days of sales. So again, if you're listening and you're in the process of selling a second property, because maybe you're trying to get that done before the annual allowance rate reduces, it's just bear in mind that buy-to-let properties, residential properties, second homes need to be reported within 60 days. In a way, at least that's one change that was for the better. That reporting used to be 30 days. It used to be 30 days, absolutely. That was a nightmare. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, 30 days is just not long enough. You have to do real calculations for it. It was an absolute nightmare. So at least one minor change that's come out of the last few years is that the 60 days. But yes, that was a really useful point. Thanks, Jenny. So I think, to be honest, that covers everything we really wanted to mention, the headlines from the spring budget. Is there anything else you wanted to mention? Casey, I think the only thing to add is obviously the pension changes were significant. And I think there'll be lots of clients. I've already had messages saying, oh, Jenny, shall I opt back in? So I think if anybody's listening and now had made decisions about their pension based on kind of what the rules were and now need to reconsider, it's just to say a couple of things. Contact us because although we can't give you pension advice, we can put you in touch with IFAs that specialise in dealing with the NHS pension. Also, have a look on our website under services because we're also offering a service where we can do sort of a pension information report so we can give you information about your pension and what it would mean if you were in if you were out so we can do some predictions and there's an example report on our website as well and Katie I think we could probably put a link to it in the show notes can't we yeah and our business partner Kate who hasn't joined us today but she's set to record shortly a podcast with a financial advisor we've been working really closely with who specializes in the NHS pension. So I don't think it's the next episode. I think it's going to be the one after will be a really, really useful pension chat episode. So definitely tune in for that. And if you have enjoyed our series of podcasts, please do make sure you like and subscribe. And we have enjoyed this episode and we look forward to seeing you all again soon. Thanks, Katie. Bye. Bye, bye, bye. You have been listening to RBP's Accountancy on Prescription podcast. For any updates, please visit www.rbp.co.uk or follow us on Twitter at RBPCA. The contents of this podcast is for general guidance and informational purposes only and does not constitute any form of advice. The information provided by RBP is of a general nature. Appropriate and tailored advice or independent research should be obtained before making any decisions. RBP does not accept any liability for any loss or damage which is incurred from you acting or not acting as a result of listening to Accountancy on Prescription.